0: Shalom and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, free diving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. know how much we love sharks. We also love protecting them and a big way to do that is to make sure we are shopping for shark tooth jewelry responsibly. We've learned a lot about this on our podcast and Silver Finco is the perfect jewelry maker for all your shark jewelry needs and wants. All teeth at Silver Finco are ethically and responsibly sourced by Val, scuba shark tooth finder extraordinaire. Her pieces are absolutely perfect for everyday wear, and she has many different styles to choose from. She takes the badassness of a shark tooth and creates beautiful feminine necklaces, bracelets, anklets, rings, and earrings to go with everything, and are even fully swimmable so you can add a little extra style to your waterwoman life. Use code MERMAID10 at silverfinco.squarespace.com and check her out on Instagram at silverfinco. keep in the know about all the newest styles. You can also just follow me because you can be damn sure I'll be wearing her stuff all the time. And now for our happy ocean environmental everything news. (laughs) Everything. It is kind of both. Yeah. Okay. So this is coming at us from euronews.com. There's a company (laughs) Using discarded oyster shells to cut energy costs and keep France's buildings cool.
1: You can do anything with
0: oysters. You can do anything if you just put your mind to it. Yeah, I have like pants made out of oyster shells. Right? That's cool. (laughs) Who thought to do that? I don't know. Thanks, whoever you are. Yep, good idea. <clears throat> so Cool Reef France is the company we're talking about today. They have found an innovative way to use the 130,000 tons of waste oysters produce every year in France. Oh my, oh, that makes sense. Because French, yeah. Yeah, they okay. love their oysters. I was like,
1: whoa.
0: <laughs> I know. I was like, how is this possible? But French. It's French, yeah. Yep. Um. So basically what they did, so uh, there's an old technology where- um, you paint your roof white mm-hmm. to keep your building cool. So it's not attracting the sun. You don't get that kind of bake going on on the ceiling. Um, so that's the old technology. They do. They did something innovative to make it so technical now. And um, they, okay, so their paint is made differently. So traditional paint is made up of calcium, solvent, and water. In France, more than 130,000 tons of oyster shells are thrown away every year. And this company takes those and gets the outer part of the shell, which is made from calcium, Mm -hmm. uses that calcium in place of the calcium they normally use in paint Uh to make this white paint. Okay. So they're using a natural, like, byproduct. Byproduct. Yeah. To make this paint. So it says they have to do three. Um three coats and I'm trying to find oh yeah. So the oyster enriched thermoreflective roof paint is applied in three layers. The first two layers make it a durable product, which will last up to 20 years. By adding the third layer, the paint is able to reflect 90% of the sun's rays away from the building.
1: Wow, it's a mermaid house. oh I do that. I
0: do too. I think that's so cool that that's what they thought. My own house. <laughs> someday soon hopefully yeah. we can have oyster roofs. Oyster roofs.
1: Whenever I hear that I imagine like you know the slated tiles but just oyster shell. <gasps> I love that. Wouldn't that be cute? Yes. And then paint the sides of it white.
0: Okay I'm in. Yes. <laughs> Magic. Yeah, do it. Oh my god. It's
1: creeped It's Creptober. I don't know. Our listenership like triples. You guys really like creepy things.
0: We, I mean, I get more excited during creeptober too. It is not
1: my favorite. (laughs) You're like the only one. (laughs) I know. I'm sitting here being like, I want to talk about cute things.
0: We even said that last year. We promised that we would do cute stuff this year. It happened. We didn't
1: because we'd lose listeners
0: these are a bunch of freaks yeah the ocean's cream it's so easy to find oh yeah
1: that took us like 10 seconds to plan out our month and we're like well we got however many six animals we're covering or something yeah yeah well this one that i chose um everybody thinks of it as a mythological creature and that's really special because save the mermaids podcast we talk about mythological creatures on mondays but it's real you want to guess what it is
0: please please tell me
1: it is the flying spaghetti monster (laughs) the flying spaghetti monster um i'm gonna go into why people think it's mythical in a second uh we are gonna do a deep dive into a little known religion uh that has to do with the flying spaghetti monster (laughs) so this is more of a funny episode than a creepy episode but look it up look it up right now actually because it is a creepy looking animal
0: so excited. It I was first
1: it. spotted more than 4,000 feet uh, down the water column off of the Angola Coast by a BP energy team. The team had been using a remotely operated deep sea vehicle, also known as an ROV, for oil well maintenance. And then as they were, you know, maintaining their oil, they were like, oh, my goodness. Uh, that was according to, to New Scientist. Uh, the name is, isn't that weird? What? I know. I'm going to describe it for our listeners in a second, but if if you have the chance, pull over and look this up. <laughs> um, the species is named the Flying Spaghetti Monster. It was identified as a siphonophore of the species Bathyphysa conifera. Oh man, I just cruised right through that. Yeah,
0: you do. We're scientists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look at me. Uh, by researchers Daniel Jones and colleague Phil Pug P-U-G-H, it's great last night, <laughs> the last name, who is specialized in deep sea ecology at the National Oceanography Center in the UK. Um, it is a milky white color and it literally looks like a bowl of pasta that was turned upside down underwater and is spilling out on itself. And then it has a long, skinny like tube on top of its head.
0: That is the best way to describe this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's ridiculous um and it's also ironic that the quote flying spaghetti monster was actually found under the sea um, this is not to be confused, this is where we're getting weird, by the flying, not to be confused with the flying spaghetti monster of Bobby Henderson's gospel of the flying spaghetti monster, which is a thing. It was created, I'm from Kansas, and I don't know how I didn't hear about this, uh, but it was created in 2006 in response to the Kansas Board of Education's debate about including intelligent design uh, into the curriculum, stating that teacher, they must teach alternate theories to evolution um he said essentially if you're going to be teaching one religion you need to teach all religions and this is the religion that he created and therefore it should also be taught uh, I love it was it. a little bit of a satire but it exploded people uh, yeah they get married under this flying spaghetti monster beam it's mm-hmm. it's a lot um so fun facts about the religion and the flying spaghetti monster of of the religion is that uh fun fact gravity is said to result from the fine spaghetti monster pushing down on people with its noodley appendages <laughs> uh pirates are held to be the first quote i love this i want to convert just so that this is my religious name pastafarians yeah not a rasta but a pasta <laughs> uh global warming is explained as being the result of the decline in the number of pirates since the 1800s so that's why the climate is changing, because there aren't enough pirates anymore, according to Pastafarians.
0: I you get on board with this.
1: Right? <laughs> Friday is the Sabbath. Um, Quote, just holiday is observed in late December. So Christmas time would just be holiday time. Holidays. It is a holiday. Uh, <laughs> this is great. The co- Their code of context, so kind of like the Ten Commandments of the Bible... Are called the eight. I'd really rather you didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> belief is not required of church members. However, um, dogma will be rejected, is what it says. <laughs> um, it goes deeper. Pastafarians will allow uh, were allowed to wear a colander on his head and his driver's license in a photo in Austria because in Austria they are very kind and they permit religious headgear for official documents, but. As a pastafarian, it's a col- it's a colander on your head.
0: If you Google, um, flying yeah. spaghetti monster, that photo of that guy is like the second thing that pops it
1: really <laughs> it's amazing. I didn't look at many photos, I was just in shock that this is the animal that I was researching. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, oh, um. It was recognized as a religion in the Czech Republic, like it has the same religious rights as Christianity, as Islam, as Buddhism, Um, not just the Czech Republic, though, New Zealand, Massachusetts and Utah, because each state isn't getting on board with it. (laughs) The Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster was accepted as a religion in the Netherlands in 2016 and that is the same year that the first legally recognized Pastafarian marriage occurred in New Zealand.
0: Aww!
1: Congratulations (laughs) to the Pastafarians! Um, I found your god under the sea. (laughs) I
0: love that.
1: Yeah, so that is my side quest into religion um, that the Flying Spaghetti Monster has been found Mm -hmm. and and it's weird, just as weird as the religion. <laughs> um, but so the Siphonophore, which is what it is just a really weird looking Siphonophore, belong to a group of aquatic animals that include, this is weird, jellyfish, but also coral.
0: Okay. Yeah. It kind of makes sense though. Yeah.
1: It's odd relations. But yeah. so there's the Siphonophore of the flying spaghetti monster, jellyfish and coral, and they're all cousins. Uh, they can grow up to 40 meters. That's 120 feet long it's a monster that's huge yeah they're among the world's longest creatures (laughs) what a weird thing (laughs) uh the flying spaghetti monster i feel so weird like the fact (laughs) the words that i'm saying are just (laughs) odd but so the flying spaghetti monster has been found in the northeast and northwest atlantic ocean off the coast of gabon and as far south as angola even in monterey bay in the pacific ocean
0: so they're everywhere yeah
1: the fine spaghetti monster definitely had babies they're everywhere so similar um to corals the spaghetti-like bee conifer which is its scientific name is made up of many different multicellular organisms also known as zoids i think that's how we say it mm-hmm. but similar to a lot of the species we've covered where it's like a family works together and each living part of it has its own job yeah uh, these organisms are a lot like regular solitary animals Except that they're attached to other zoids forming a more complex organism. So for example, one zoid uh, developed from a fertilized egg starts the process and then other zoids uh, bud from the original zoid until a whole animal is formed. Uh, some of the con- constituent zoids specialize in catching food and eating it, while others, their whole job is just to reproduce. The ones that can't feed don't eat.
0: You know uh, <laughs> The sense. ones that
1: can't reproduce don't reproduce. Mm-hmm. But together they all survive and work as one cohesive unit. Uh, the deep sea spaghetti monster is a particular kind of siphonophore belonging to the suborder Cystonectae, according to the World Register of Marine Species. So that's official. <laughs> This species of Cystinect is relatively rare, according to Katriana Munro, a doctoral student in ecology who studies um, evolutionary biology at Brown University, but she also studies flying spaghetti monsters.
0: Oh, I, yeah. I love that this is so official. Yeah,
1: I'm like, all the, I put in a lot of research into the places these people worked because I was, I mean, I fell on Pastafarians and I was like, I gotta, I gotta make sure this is for real.
0: Have to dig deeper. <laughs>
1: Uh, While well, several specimens specimens have been described, researchers don't often see these creatures in their natural habitat because they're like 4,000 feet. Hmm. Um, they're made up of two main parts anchored to a long stem. So like I said, up top, uh, there's a pneumatophore. It's a gas-filled float that looks like a big bubble. Um, that's the bulbous-looking thing sticking out from the top of the spaghetti monster's head. <laughs> Further <laughs> down, the stem, so it's like a blob blob and then a stem and then there's the cyphosome which are a bunch of zoids hard at work catching and eating their food reproducing and doing all the other things they need to survive so that's the spaghetti of the spaghetti monster
0: (laughs) this episode feels made
1: up this should really have been out on April Fool um okay unlike other saponophores uh the flying spaghetti monster lack a nectosome. It's a body part containing zoids that would propel the animal through the water, so they don't move really well. Um, those arm-like appendages poking through their mass of quote spaghetti are gastrozoids or feeding polyps that the creature uses to catch food, according to Monroe. Um, but not everyone thinks that this pasta like animal has a strange appearance. I thought this was adorable because scientists are cute. Monroe, who happens to be a big fan of Siphonophores, said she thinks the so called spaghetti monster is, quote, really good looking. What? <laughs> she thinks it's adorable. Look I at don't it know. Again. How he looks at that and is like, aww. I didn't. A scientist. The same person who should be studying, you know, the same one who's making the lamprey. Um,
0: ramps oh, yeah, in the Great Lakes. There's got to be hearts like that somewhere.
1: Yeah. Uh, like many siphonophores, it is carnivorous. The typical diet consists of a variety of copepods, small crustaceans, and small fish. Uh, they've even been observed eating a lanternfish. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, a species of main fish in the genus Caristus Caristius, associates, apparently mutualistically so, in layman's terms, Flying spaghetti monsters do have best friends. Aww. It is called the main fish. Uh, they use it They use it for shelter. Sometimes they'll share meals and perhaps nibbling on its host as well, but it will protect it from the am- uh, amphipod parasites like semisto. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't find anything on the IUCN red list because a lot of our deep sea animals, we don't even know their populations because it's so rare that we even have a video of an animal like this. So we don't know. But again, don't mind the deep sea because uh, really cool and important things live down there. So that is my story on the (laughs) mythical, but not flying spaghetti monster. It's
0: so, it looks like Krang from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) It's so made up looking. It does not look real. It doesn't. Uh -uh. I am so intrigued by this. What a cool animal. I know. And they have a best friend and it's called a spaghetti monster. A flying spaghetti monster. Thanks so much for diving in with us today please make sure to follow us on instagram at save the mermaids podcast visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites and don't forget to join our facebook community save the mermaids podcast community
1: This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world.
0: Until next time, mermaids!